2: Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's pacaso.com.
0: Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places. Welcome to Forward Thinking.
2: Hey and welcome to Forward Thinking. I am Joe McCormick. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And this is going to be part two of an episode that we had to divide in half because it went very long. So if you have not heard part one of our episode on the future of gender, it was the one that came out just right before this one. You should go back and check that out first.
0: Uh Yes, and uh, we, we have joining us today
1: Raquel Willis. Yes, we were definitely some overachievers. <laughs> My name is Raquel Willis. I am a digital publisher here at HowStuffWorks.com, and I am also a writer and activist. Yeah. So glad to be here. Yeah. Yay! We are so glad
0: to have you. So, yes, yeah, so we're going into part two right now. Another
2: thing that is important to look at in terms of the role of technology in post-genderism is technology that would allow us to continue the human race as usual, even if we got to a point where people were altering their bodies, say, to uh, not necessarily be men or women in the traditional sense, to be something else, to be whatever it is they want to be.
0: Uh, right. Yeah. Let, let's get out of that head space and back into the squishy, squishy meat space, because <laughs> uh, because of the, course the head is meat. Uh, it's electrical. The, the, the body is electrical to anyway. The ability to control whether, uh and and when and how a person wants to have kids is is so huge to postgenderism because yeah. of course for some people being a biological father or a mother is core to their gender experience and mm-hmm. for others definitely never doing that is equally core to their gender experience. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, okay, uh looking at reproductive planning which Isn't new. Um, I I, I just pulled up a pretty great article from the Indian Journal of Urology that details the use of condoms to prevent STDs and and pregnancy, and it cites the first known documentation of a condom from circa 3000 BCE. Wow. It was a goat's bladder.
2: Nice. Mm.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Modern technology is great, you guys. Yeah. in in the more recent past, uh <laughs> advances in materials technology, we don't have to use goat bladders anymore, and uh and, and biology and, and hormone therapy have made contraception and abortion very effective and safe and occasionally even affordable. Uh in, in in the next few years along those lines, um new forms of male birth control techniques are expected to hit the public market. Uh various things that can um can either uh prevent sperm uh, from leaving the vas deferens, uh, allowing liquid, but not sperm, um, to be ejaculated, and also, um, uh, male hormonal, p- hormonal pills are, are kinda sort of in the works. Um, then, then you've got the, the fertilization half of, of baby making. Um, and of course, in vitro fertilization is one of those just absolute modern medical miracles that increases a person's choice in, in how and when to have children. Um, uh, donor eggs or donor sperm can be combined with your own genetic material. Uh, you can even have a surrogate, a volunteer, carry a baby to term for you. But all of these methods involve using someone else's DNA at some point in the process. So mm. what if you and a partner or partners who cannot biologically have children together but want to have children together uh, also want those children to be a combination of your own DNA? Seems feasible, or mm. seems like a reasonable thing to, to want at the very least. And some researchers are, are working on methods to create viable eggs from male tissue and viable sperm cells from female tissue. And it's, uh, it's not really working <laughs> terrifically well just yet. Uh, <laughs> some, some methods are using stem cells and others are focusing on, on other different ways to coax cells of one type, like, like skin cells into becoming reproductive cells. Uh, the latter has worked in mice, actually, but humans are a lot more complex than mice. And, uh, so, you know, maybe, maybe someday it could work. On the gestation and birth end of the spectrum, uh, there are, Oh, there's, there's, there's a lot of interesting things going on. There's, um, uterus transplants. In 2014, a Swedish woman bought a, brought a baby to term in a transplanted uterus for the first time. Um, uh, the, the, the woman was, was born with function, functioning ovaries, but no uterus. So, uh, if it's possible in a female body, could it someday be possible in a male body? Mm, it's complicated no one knows <laughs> the but, but it's hypothetically not impossible
2: well, yeah and another thing that's not impossible is that you might not need a body at all
0: yes yes what about a method for bringing babies to term that doesn't even involve a human carrier uh researchers have in fact grown embryos for up to 14 days in vitro in 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 labs uh and right now it's, it's ethics rather than physics that are dictating the course of this kind of research. Um, al- although really, I mean, partially because of the ethics of it, no one, no one knows whether we have the technological and medical know-how to bring a baby to term in a wholly artificial womb. But of course, uh, we use our bodies, our gendered bodies, for more than just baby making. Um, you know, there's, there's also the, the physical your physical appearance, how you want to look, and and furthermore, how you want your genitals to be, and uh, and there are currently some some cultural and medical taboos in our society about using surgery to change our bodies selectively. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like like no one's going to diss someone uh, for getting facial reconstruction after a car accident, but if a woman wants to change her breast size or a man wants to change his jawline, uh, people have opinions about that
2: oh yeah i guess that is a thing i i didn't think about contributing to this but people people are kind of judgy about uh using surgery to change the way you look but that would be a kind of inherent aspect of post right like oh, people, absolutely not necessarily surgery always but having various methods of controlling different physical expressions of of gender
0: right and right uh and you know Partially, I, I think this this taboo is because of the inherent medical risks involved with with uh, with some of these treatments, uh, especially surgery. You know, like you've got anesthesia and infection and possible rejection of tissues or implants or whatever. But um, I don't know. Do, do you guys I, I, th- another question I wanted to ask you all like like, do you think that as we improve our medical capacity to do these things like we will see a greater acceptance of selective surgeries start happening?
1: Well, you know, the interesting thing is I'm actually working on an essay Ooh. about, um, how we kind of think about, uh, elective surgeries, cosmetic surgeries, and, and things like that. But I, I think we are going to see a greater acceptance of, of surgeries and, and cosmetic surgeries. Um, I think we're going to get to a point where we kind of, are more understanding of the nuance of choice, right? And, and that there can be a lot of benefits even if they aren't kind of the stereotypical um, life-saving benefits that we <laughs> usually think of. Um, you know, if you think of Self-esteem, and think of of ways in which it will make a person um, just happier to exist. Uh, I think those can be some very valid benefits.
0: Oh yeah, I, I'd argue that those are absolutely life-saving benefits. The quality of life issues are are pretty important.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm feeling hypocritical now. I totally agree with you, but at the same time, I think about it. I've like I've totally made fun of people's hair plugs before. <laughs> Um, and I, I'm now kind of regretting that. I'm sorry.
1: Uh, well, and I, I think that, you know, that is not necessarily something to be apologetic about. Um, I think, you know, it's human, right? It's human that we have our own judgments and, and we have our own kind of meters on what is a successful or good or, or solid <laughs> surgery and what is kind of. <laughs> you know why would you do that why would you do <laughs> yeah, that to yourself yeah, right
0: yeah either it looks bad or, or like oh you're so vain for wanting to change your physical appearance right
1: right and and of course if you think about things even as simple as as uh tattoos right those are oh, yeah. permanent changes and and our ideas on that versus surgery may be a bit diff- a bit different depending on who you're talking to
2: I think tattoos are a are a great example of the ways that we have I think really fundamentally in the United States changed how we approach that. I mean, like
0: in the past just, like f- 20 or yeah, 30 years, a few yeah.
2: decades ago, I think t- tattoos, like if you weren't in prison or in the military or something like that, uh, people would really harshly judge you for tattoos. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that, that I don't know, it seems like everybody accepts tattoos now. I, I never hear really anything about it. Yeah. Would y'all agree?
0: Uh, yeah I think that that other than uh for for like like religious purposes like mm-hmm. like some kind of traditional concept like that that is that is more handed down mm-hmm. um than than uh widely pop cultural uh, yeah everyone's pretty chill with it
2: yeah uh, so I mean I wonder if if all different kinds of surgeries and uh, body modification of all sorts will end up going the way of tattoos, where it's just not really a thing people bat an eye at anymore.
0: Yeah, and and whether I mean I, I feel like whenever you read about that kind of thing in science fiction, like in like in Hunger Games, I don't know if you guys have right. consumed <laughs> any of that media, but uh, but but in the Capitol, uh, I'll, I'll, there's a group of people who've chosen to very dramatically change their bodies, and it's and it's written about in this kind of. In, in In this very negative way like as as though they have like destroyed their own soul through the destruction of that flesh kind of kind of thing mm-hmm. but i but
1: I don't think that's gonna be how it's gonna be right and and just the I think the other context, right, of that is is this kind of um indictment of capitalism, right, and this idea that, oh, you know, we've gone so far as a culture that these things that shouldn't be important to people are now important, right? These yeah. ways in which we purport ourselves are completely unnatural and should be, you know, avoided at all costs. Yeah.
0: How dare we all care about our appearance, <laughs> yeah. which is only what everyone around us judges us by. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, um uh and, and, and getting getting into the the uh, the parts of our bodies that most people don't see all the time, I wanted to talk for a minute about uh about penis and vagina transplants. Because the the difficulties in creating functional genitals are are Perhaps, obviously, even greater than the challenges in in cosmetic surgeries, but we're starting to see really amazing, hopeful work being done. Uh, researchers have had success in in implanting vaginas in women who were born without them. They they created the, kind of like a like a scaffold in the lab, like a protein scaffold, and then a collagen scaffold, and then grew the tissue into it from the patient's own cell samples and then successfully implanted them. Um, uh, and, and, they're, and they're, they're functional. They, they work. They do what they're supposed to do. Um, also, the world's second successful penis tra- transplant happened earlier this year. I could talk to y'all a whole bunch about that. Yeah, if you, you were writing about
2: that for a while, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah.
0: I had a, <laughs> I had a really interesting two days where, where I was covering the topic for, uh, for the video show now that we do. And so my entire Google search history was, uh, a fireable offense at many other companies, I'm sure, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but but yeah. Uh, currently, these these options are not being offered to the trans community. I think. Partially because they're still so early in development and, and honestly because of some really unfortunate transphobia in parts of the medical community. But, um, but I, I really think and, and furthermore personally hope that a few more years worth of research and, and cultural advancement will see these options being made available to more people. Who, who want selective, uh, elective surgeries.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, the thing is, is that there actually have been um, a lot of uh, successes and within the trans community when it comes to what is typically considered sexual reassignment surgery or gender reassignment surgery or um, whatever name that... It, uh, there are so many different names that people use, yeah, um, for these surgeries. Um, but we are really seeing ways in which um, people are using um, or the actual kind of um, original materials from whatever body a person is born with to kind of make um, functional genitals that are to their liking. Yeah, um, so that it can be through different forms of skin grafts, things mm-hmm. like that. You know, people can grow organs on other parts of their bodies and then use them in that process. So it's really kind of interesting what is being done in the medical community, um, or specifically around trans healthcare.
0: Yeah,
2: totally. But of course, a, a really interesting option in the future, if we're thinking about a post-gender world, is not even... Uh, n- not even creating the uh the traditional the normal organs, working right, right. Uh, of one traditional sex or another but sort of creating all new different ways for your body to look and be shaped uh, yeah
0: yeah yeah what, what if you don't want Normal. What if you don't want a normal penis or vagina? I mean, I, mean, I, I wonder if we're ever going to come around to a time where there will be a s- social allowance, like a societal acceptance of people choosing surgeries that are completely different from, you know, the good old good old sex binary. Yeah,
2: I know one I've read about is uh, pe- uh, the idea of people wanting, for example, androgynous genitalia.
0: Absolutely. Yeah
2: uh one that it it's not necessarily one or the other it's mm-hmm. uh it's it's a different thing altogether,
0: yeah uh going along you know within within the within the gender and and at that point I'd say sexual spectrum um of course there there asexuality exists uh it's it's not as visible i think as a lot of other sexualities right now, but it it should you know if that's how people feel, then that is a thing that the rest of us need to respect,
2: yeah. Uh, so one other place where biotechnology is gonna play a role possibly in, uh, in the post-gender future if we get there is in neuropharmacology and psychopharmacology. Uh, so th- the basic idea here is There's a lot of controversy over whether broad differences in human thoughts and behaviors between men and women are biologically determined by sex in the body or socially prescribed by culture. I think it's pretty clear that it's some mix of the two, but to whatever extent we discover that some biological factors do play a role in uh, sexually dimorphic behavior tendencies, you know, ways that women usually act or men usually act psychopharmacology and neuropharmacology uh, drugs that affect the nervous system and the and the mind and mood should allow us to influence these tendencies voluntarily if we wish to do so mm-hmm. um but we should also say that the brain is complex we're far from having a full understanding of the chemical basis in the brain for you know very complex effects like human behavior mm-hmm. however we do know some things just simple example, hormones. Hormones like oxytocin, vasopressin, testosterone, estrogen, the ones you've heard of before, and so forth, have some suggested linkages with behaviors associated most often with one gender or the other, such as maternal bonding or dominance and aggression and so forth. Um, and this is one area where I think we we may end up trailing behind others uh, just because of how complex the brain is. Uh, but as far as technological control goes, We don't know in the end what we're going to find out. We may end up discovering that biosex differences have even less control over human behavior tendencies than we now believe. Maybe a a gigantic part of how we act is actually just culturally influenced. Mm -hmm. Um, Or we may discover that there are some fairly strong determinative patterns from, from the body, but we'll be able to counteract them with hormones and other pharmacological treatments if we so desire.
0: So these are the factors that we're dealing with, uh, but 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 will this happen? Uh, it, I mean, and if it if it can happen, is it is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing?
2: <laughs> uh, is it
0: something we can place a value judgment on? <laughs> uh,
2: I mean, if you, I, I think that just based on what we've read for this episode, it seems to me that if you continue technological trends in biotech on on the trajectories they're on today it doesn't seem like there's any reason we shouldn't be able to live in a post-gender society Uh, it seems very possible especially depending on how you define it because in some ways you could say that some aspects of postgenderism are not even that dependent on technology. It's just about, you know, culture and how we talk about things. And the, the aspects that are dependent on technology, the technology doesn't seem crazy to me. We're not talking about faster than light travel or, <laughs> or time travel or something like that. It's basically All just...
0: things that we say on the show that we're like, yeah, no, that's never going to happen. Yeah, right. it, it's not stuff <laughs> like
2: that. It's stuff that seems very reasonable to assume that we can do based on extrapolating trends in, in medicine and, and yeah, yeah. medical science today
0: stuff for which the the groundwork has already been laid
2: yeah and it also doesn't seem to me that there's any reason to think that that postgenderism would I don't know destroy humanity or something <laughs> like that like I, I I don't see any reason to think that we necessarily always need gendered biological reproductive organs and male female pairing in order to reproduce and, and produce new generations of humans yeah
0: and and furthermore that yeah it's it's, it's 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 neither going to be impossible to continue the human species uh a, a in a post-gender society and neither is it necessarily going to like immediately be the matrix with everyone being grown in vats and harvested for their energy potential. Right. Yeah. Um uh the argument against um it not being possible, yeah, no, we've already got all that tech. Uh <laughs> I I, sus- I I guess I guess there could be arguments that the current norms are too culturally ingrained to ever be changed, but but based on past changes to the norm and, and also to the current, uh, interestingly, flexy state of society, I think it's it's pretty obvious that change is possible and furthermore already happening.
1: Right. I, I think even if we kind of um, take a step back and look at how we think of each other in a gender way, right? Like, yeah, we still have these categories of man, woman, um Non-binary folks, all of these different categories, even that category, right, is, is an element of this kind of move towards post-gender society. Mm-hmm. Um, but these concepts are becoming less of a hindrance for us. Like we're building in protections for people based on gender, right? Mm-hmm. We're building in um, ways in which people can kind of live however they want outside of these kind of historical, limited ideas of what a man can do, what a woman can do, really what a human born a certain way can do.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, which which brings us, I mean, it's it's probably pretty obvious from from our conversation, even if this is the only episode of Forward Thinking you have ever tuned into and, and don't know that we generally hold these kind of personal beliefs, um, you know, it, it's probably pretty obvious that we all in this room think that this is a pretty good thing. Um, and And the arguments for it being a good thing, I I think, are pretty persuasive.
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think it breaks down to stuff that's kind of hard for people to give rational reasons for disagreeing with and that it just would give people more choice over deeper facts about themselves. Yeah. Uh, since it's a voluntary movement. I mean, we'd be talking about a different thing if we were saying we should forcibly eliminate <laughs> gen- gender distinctions.
0: Oh, yeah, that, that uh, would be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> why, why would anyone do that? That would be the worst. Yeah. That's, uh, that's the opposite of, of the point of all of this. Uh, but
2: yeah, so I I don't know. It seems to me so Im- try to imagine again a, a society in which a lot of these norms have been eroded, uh, that seems to me possible that it could lead to less discrimination and less uh, unequal power balance in a large array of situations. So, like, what would a society look like if, for example, men were not, on average, physically stronger than women? Uh, it, it seems hard for me to personally imagine a bad outcome from that change, though maybe I don't have a very good imagination. But. <laughs> I want to be
1: Serena Williams. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Uh,
2: There's a lot of sort of just basic person-to-person evil in the world that takes place essentially only because there is a man who's a lot stronger than a woman that he's with. Mm -hmm. And if that were not often – if that were not the standard – um, I, it just seems like that could very easily create a world where there's a lot less unequal relationships and uh, less interpersonal violence.
1: Yeah. Right. And and so I guess, you know, kind of on the flip side, right, what speaks to me a lot of times is, is the expanded options for men. Right. Like a lot of times we talk about gender and it's it's very much. What women need, right? But, mm-hmm. you know, this is a good thing for men too, right? Um, men will be able to kind of transcend these stereotypical ideas of what is okay for them to do, right? As we can think about, um, parenting and we can think about this idea that we have long had that you know fathers aren't as emotionally connected to their families and right. things like that. Yeah. I don't think that's true. I think men and fathers have always been capable of this very deep connection on an emotional level to their families and men to other people. I think that we have just had a lot of societal hangups around what that looks like and and what um, I guess what we, we're told to be comfortable with,
0: of course, and it, yeah. and it turns into a, a physical problem too for for men. Uh, Research has found that gender roles, the the gender roles that men undertake, lead to shorter life expectancies and poorer health in some measures. From you know like like behavior where they they see doctors less frequently than women, or engage in riskier behavior, or uh, participate in more military combat, or work in more hazardous occupations. Yeah. Uh, so postgenderism could could erase some of the pressures that lead to those circumstances or i guess at least spread the danger around more you know <laughs> good times
2: yeah uh well yeah i mean it could if you if you're talking about removing expectations so it could be that right. you, maybe you want to uh display traditionally male sex traits but you just don't want to be Expected to do the dangerous uh, construction jobs or something <laughs> like that. I mean,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, that
2: might be how you want to do
0: it. Like you want to be a podcaster or whatever it is. <laughs> I did, not that I'm saying that podcasting is an inherently feminine trait, but it's <laughs> like
1: communication. Oh, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah,
0: that kind of thing, uh, and. <laughs> And so, yeah, th- there are so many really interesting gender biases that, that I, I catch myself having all the time. Like, like how I still, if I'm playing video games online and uh, and a voice that comes through my little headphone is a lady, lady voice, a feminine voice, uh, I I go. Oh, how nice! Oh, how nice! It's a girl and she's playing video games! And then I immediately feel like the worst feminist who has ever existed. Because of course, of course women play video games. That's great. And I am one. And I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think, I think that we've all internalized, I think what I'm trying to say is that we've all internalized more of this than we possibly understand all the time on a day to day basis. And, and I would personally like to see some of that go away because it makes me mad when, when i recognize it in myself and it certainly makes me mad when i recognize it in other people stop being so awful lauren <laughs> oh, i'm gonna so turn that 1800s. Into a, i'm gonna turn that into a sound bite and just play it over and over to myself every day
2: you know i wonder in a post-gender world how much our basic language is going to change. There's oh, so yeah. many there's there so many invisible aspects of of our lives that we don't think about being strongly influenced by sex and gender, like uh, y'all were talking about fashion. And duh, obviously fashion is very, you know, clothes are very gendered, but it just didn't even cross my mind when I was thinking about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and another one is language. So most languages are just full of gendered terminology that's already largely obsolete uh you know with expanding consciousness of inclusivity even with the traditional gender landscape so mm-hmm. for example you know you're not trying to find a policeman you're trying to find a police officer right that police officer might be a woman who could help you just as much as the male police officer weird. hopefully weird uh,
1: probably more
2: <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and then of course there are gendered pronouns, gendering of nouns in languages like Spanish and stuff like that. Though that's not fully a product of sex and gender distinctions, though there's some relevant crossover. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, and, right, gendered pronouns in English. This is something I think about every now and then. I'm like, man, we finally need a good singular gender neutral pronoun. Are people finally going to embrace using they as a singular pronoun?
0: I think I, I think I have almost. I'm working on it. I'm not sure.
1: I have. Yeah, I've had to. Um, I think in the LGBTQ community and um, having so many friends who do identify as non-binary like there are so many non-binary people now. Um, I've had to kind of adapt and uh, not put pronouns on to other people. Oh yeah. And then also I mean you know in the LGBTQ community people change pronouns so it's It's often very difficult to remember who's using what pronoun um, today and and (laughs) whose identity has changed. So, you know, I'm all for they. I think the argument against the singular they is very much um, not reflective of, of the fact that we actually do use this gender neutral pronoun. Pretty often we yeah. do,
0: we do, uh, and 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 of course it is so important um, to to gender people correctly and to, to not force your own language onto somebody else's body. That's that's pretty ridiculous, and and it's so easy to not be offensive like that. To just be like, hey, what pronouns would you like me to use for you? Uh, it might be an awkward conversation, but I promise you'll get through it. And uh, even if you have to have it once an hour, it's it's always worthwhile.
1: I also wonder though um, if you know, just thinking about the transgender experience, if more people in general will kind of have maybe their birth name and then choose a name that they like better. Ooh, like, yeah. oh,
2: mm-hmm. th- here's another one completely. I didn't even <laughs> think about this going <laughs> in. Gendered names. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah. 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 And again, th- that's one of those things where, I mean, like pronouns and stuff like that. There's, there's no police running around telling you what. You, you know the name has to be applied to a certain gender, but and not in America. Well, that's true. And some some countries, do have lists of gender approved names, mm-hmm. uh, but but yeah, even in America, where the, there's there's nobody who uh, is going to make you name your kid a certain thing based on the, the, their gender, but names are very gendered.
0: Yeah, there, there's a societal expectation that if a human is named John, it's probably a dude. If uh-huh. it's spelled in certain ways, in mostly, and I, I would. Kind of
1: imagine that there may be a lot more options when it comes to to gender neutral names. Now, um, I don't even know if if parents are as much looking for them, but that just kind of seems like a trend within itself. In recent years, a lot of names that will kind of double as a feminine name or double as. Um a more gender neutral name. Like I think about names like Adrian and and Hayden and and yeah. a lot of really a lot of names ending in N um, <laughs> are, you know, gender neutral or something like John. Aubrey, right? <laughs> you said John. Yeah. Like John. Like John. <laughs> Maybe not John. Maybe I lied. No John, uh,
2: Jan right? Jan, like Jan. That's sometimes a a boy's name or a girl's name. J A N.
1: Oh, I oh, think that that maybe. is um like culturally because I knew uh his it was Jan though I think it was like Yanni uh, okay. was his nickname. I yeah no
0: it, but it's... But I think it's
1: like Scandinavian or something, huh?
2: Yeah.
0: People are naming their kids all kinds
1: of things these <laughs> days.
2: I'm thinking about a guy we talked about in an episode of Stuff to Blow Your Mind named Yon DeDute who cut out his own bladder stones. Oh. <laughs> anyway.
0: <laughs> oh. No. he okay? The, in, the, the, in, yeah, the like emotion- hundreds of years ago. Okay. Oh, okay. So he's dead either way. Cool. Right. Uh, <laughs> the emotional reaction from both me and Raquel there was very strident. Um. Uh, I think I think that just about wraps up uh, what we have been trying to say today. So thank you guys so much for sticking around for two whole episodes worth of this, and thank you so much, Raquel, for coming and joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yay. Yeah.
2: It's been really fun having you on the show.
0: It has. Yes, oh, I
1: had fun too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if uh, if you guys
0: would like to say anything to Raquel or to us, please get in touch. Our email address is fwthinking at howstuffworks.com. You can also reach us on the Facebooks and the Twitters. Yes, plural. That's also how language is changing, and you can't stop it. Uh, our screen name in both of those places is also fwthinking. And uh, Raquel, if people would like to get in touch with you, would you like to provide
1: a Twitter handle? Definitely not. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, if sure, if you are brave enough to check out my Twitter, I am Raquel, R-A-Q-U-E-L-W-I-L-L-I-S underscore. And if you just want to check out my writing or what I'm up to, RaquelWillis.com is the place to go.
0: Cool. Thank you so much. Uh Yeah, we all hope that we will hear from you. And either way, you will hear from us again very soon. For more on this topic and the future of technology, visit forwardthinking.com. Brought to you by Toyota. Let's go places.
1: Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait.
0: Did we just invent California?
1: Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
0: Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor
2: you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's gotta be a CFP.